but to combine the short-term focus with the long-term focus. Because if you know what it is to be very sharply focused, like we said on one thing, consciously, uh, it's not automatic attention, it's actually um, controlled attention. You choose what to focus on with your own power. Uh, If you know what that is like, because it is something that you can sense within yourself, if you know what that is, well, then you will also know what to search for. And the more often you can be in those moments or put yourself into those moments uh, with a clear decision and understanding of why you do it, (laughs) you can probably more easily move in the, so to say, right direction in the long term. So short-term focus and long-term focus, I believe, goes hand in hand. Or we could say perhaps that short-term focus is a prerequisite for long-term focus. And so I'm also thinking when all these people are asking me and wondering, it could be quite uh, emotional sometimes where young minds are reaching out to me and they say, hey, hey, dear madam, please help me. I've lost focus. And then they probably don't mean that they lost focus specifically for their exam or for their work. They lost focus in the terms of who am I in this world? What what am I supposed to do? Uh, So it goes deeper, but it may start with a short exam, the ability to be focused on one thing and to do that really, really well and use your cognitive potential. Bringing complex ideas down to earth based on their value, not group identity. This is The Daily Archetype. If you want someone to remain ignorant, just make sure they think in groups of identity rather than groups of values. Let's promote understanding, not ignorance. This is The Daily Archetype. Happy New Year, archetypal friends. I don't know how many have given up and how many will never give up, but I will never give up on The Daily Archetype even if it's only the yearly archetype. Seriously though, this year has been a wild one for me personally, dealing with back to school, back to work, and a host of other issues, including four episodes like this one that you're about to hear. It's just some logistical and technical issues. So I give you those reasons to let you know. I had also been planning and training to improve the podcast as this year I plan to transition into at least monthly and hopefully eventually weekly releases again. I have at least a few already recorded and at least a few that I plan to record in the coming weeks and please continue to support any way you can. If I can get more support through the various channels that are linked in the podcast then I will be able to put more time into this. At the very least, please follow on social media, in particular, Instagram at Daily Archetype and the Daily Archetype Facebook group, as that's where to stay up to date on anything going on with the Daily Archetype. There have been some recordings published on YouTube, 
and a couple discussions on Clubhouse, most of which I will edit for the podcast in the coming months. In the future, I hope to keep this closer to about 45 minutes to an hour per episode. This one was a little longer because there were two people here in a discussion that I was hosting. I did edit out a lot of the logistical issues and technical issues that we were having. If you want to hear the whole raw episode, it is available on YouTube, along with some other recordings. Check the links in the description or show notes to this podcast if you'd like to know more about the guest on this episode it was really a miracle to bring them together and i won't go into all the details at this time but a mutual friend of ours put us together to record this and even with some technical and logistical issues like i mentioned it turned out into a really special conversation about not just focus and (laughs) the nature of reality like these two often discuss, but how to utilize such things for the greater good of ourselves and our community. Now, please enjoy the episode. Welcome to The Daily Archetype, a value-sharing community. I'm Christina. Uh, I'm born on the Swedish countryside. I'm born Mm. on a farm. And we have had this farm since uh, many generations back. So I told myself quite early in life that whatever happens, um, even though I go global, which Mm -hmm. I have done, so to say, uh, this will always be a home. And I think I take that into account to some kind of philosophy that I am living. I'm close to the nature. I'm close to animals. But at the same time, I've managed to achieve things that people find interesting. I felt when I was um, approximately a little bit more than 20 years old, that I had uh, capacities, uh, skills that I think every person has, but I I noticed them. Uh, patience, for instance, uh, a capability to reflect uh, and to uh, finish what I've started. Mm-hmm. So I decided to do something about that. But at that time, I didn't know much. Uh, what can I do about these uh, inner strengths or feelings or whatever we, we call them? I simply decided to become uh, best in the world at something. And um, I picked uh, shooting, <laughs> precision <Yeah>. shooting. <laughs> it's a very boring sport. <laughs> um, but anyway, <clears throat> to put uh, the story further ahead, I um, I spent uh, a large amount of time um, staring at a, at a target at a small dot 50 meters yeah. away, uh, practiced precision and concentration. And after quite few years uh approximately seven and a half year i did step up on a world champion podium so i got the champion the world champion title and i combined this journey by being a a military officer former military female officer and world champion in precision shooting so that's cool uh Mm -hmm. but what's interesting is what did i do afterwards what do i do with this platform that i have what Mm -hmm. do i do with the level that i have achieved I saw when I left the sports and the military arenas that I, and you know, I met other worlds like the business world and and also the academic worlds, but let's say other worlds um, mm. than sports and military. I saw that hey, people have lost something, mm. and I clarified to myself that hey, I'm coming from a world or worlds where focus 
was elevated and was respected as a necessary ability. And I step into a world where short-term attitude, quick fix, fragmentation, right. attention addiction, and time poverty um, mm. is the norm. And then I decided to do something. So I wrote a book and I developed this knowledge. I created a concept uh, around focus and mm. the importance of focus for the individual, but also for the society at large. Uh, and then uh, I've not gone viral. I could have done that. Everybody told mm. me this to become another guru. Um, and maybe I am. There are a million views, etc., at the TED Talk. But otherwise, I've decided the opposite, that to stay mm. focused myself. I don't want to be seen everywhere all the time by as many people as possible. Uh, so I've kept it uh, quite um, exclusive, if I'm allowed to say so. And mm. I have uh, given it the time it has needed. Uh, and I don't think the world need more gurus, maybe. Yeah. So instead of becoming, you know, a guru out on the internet, <laughs> I'm staying in the forest and I'm building a global brand. Mm. Uh, yet, uh, not not yet officially launched, but uh, a global brand where I bring in, you know, thought leadership, mm. uh, explaining to the world that I believe this is an innate skill. The skill of focus is something we need to protect um, in this intense world. Um, mm. At the same time as that concept is connected to interdisciplinary research, mm-hmm. and that. Uh, will then be put also to a commercial commercial opportunity so that more people can can learn from this, but not mm-hmm. only then from from one woman, right. <laughs> not only from a, a female officer, officer and world champion. Um, so I'm probably a bit of a game changer, uh, but on a very humble way. And um, I take it easy. I take it slow. I have a son who is autistic. He's mm. 10 years old now. Uh, my father is very old. He got me quite late. He's 93. <laughs> wow. So I'm spending my time <laughs> in between very young and very old. Mm. And uh, oh, yeah. I need to do that to support, uh, you know, the family uh, mm. at the same time as I I have this deep interest. And um, people have called me the focus icon and the focus goddess. And I don't think that is because I know more. I think it's because I act in a focused way. Mm-hmm. And if that's because of the fact that I've practiced this so much or because I've read so much about it or because I find it so important and see it everywhere, or if it's just uh, an appearance or a will from other people around us, um, mm-hmm. because I can see the lack of focus um, as a universal macro trend, almost, if you if you see what I mean. Um, I think we can conclude by me yeah. just being an ordinary mother, but at the same time uh, quite sharp and um, and having um, great visions um, that needs collaborations as well. So uh, I'm glad to be to be here with you. <laughs> Very impressive. Uh... What you've done up to now. Uh, thank you, Ronald. <laughs> no, no, I'm very impressed and uh, very interested by uh, your idea of focus. And uh, 
I had I had another idea uh, these last days, and mm-hmm. uh, you inspired me to ask you a question. <laughs> um, I was myself reflecting on on my own past life and mm-hmm. uh, thinking that with the, taking some distance, there, there's one or let's say very few ideas, basic ideas at the bottom of the mm. uh, the personality who have mm. been there without me even noticing and who have, after all, guided my whole life. Mm. And I think that in my case, probably it was something turning around Gödel's theorem and mm. Gödel's completed theorem, but it could be applied in any in any very different subject, in business, in sports, in, uh, in mathematics, obviously, also. And my question was, uh, because of what uh, Christina, uh, to, how she decided to focus her, at, uh, her attention and her, her career on focus, is focus this big idea of hers, or will it still mature and change and transform? That that was mm. my question. Uh, if we go back in time to where I, like I said in this introduction, that I decided one day to become best in the world <laughs> at something, and then I mm. said it happened to be precision shooting. That mm. means that mm. it wasn't important for me uh, in which sport. That's one mm. thing I was thinking about. It was just a feeling. It was just some kind of guideline which told me and gave me uh, mm. the self-confidence to dare to do it and to dare to also reach all those mistakes that you have to reach before you step up <laughs> on a podium and then also uh, when having been up on the podium and I can honestly say actually even before I became this uh, world champion that everyone think is so amazing I knew deep inside and i think this is where we can connect to your question ronald Mm. that there was definitely a deeper meaning a deeper much deeper dimension Mm. than simply becoming best in the world Uh, this is why i have in my way of thinking that uh, competing in that sense uh, in the way trying to become better than others that's Sometimes it actually feels old-fashioned in a way, because mm. I know there is so much more into it, uh, where the gold medal is not really that important as people may think. And then if we look ahead, uh, me finding the importance of focusing on focus <laughs> and wanting mm. to share this to people, and that probably is, to be honest, just a word. Uh, I know what focus is. I enjoy to explain what it is, but of course, uh, I explain it in in a broader perspective than simply trying to become more productive or more efficient or even to peak perform, because mm-hmm. I want us to reflect upon what is it beyond all that, uh, and in what way can our ability to focus our attention mm-hmm. and to stay on target and to Mm. dig deeper into our core values, into our inner self. What can that do with an individual and what can that do with a society? Um, Which actually brings us to a deeper deeper words than Mm. focus, which I would say maybe, and let's see if Ronald uh, Mm. reflect upon this. um, (laughs) I would even like to use the word 
love between mm. um, people sure. and the whole uh, uh, system that we are in. Um, mm-hmm. But that might be too early to to already uh, <laughs> use those words. <laughs> but I'm, right. I'm think I'm quite sure you understand what I mean. That yes, I agree. There is something much deeper mm. than what we simply um, choose to, uh, so to say, focus on. There is probably a much deeper focus uh, connected to to what we happen to turn out to be, and it never stops. I think there is an ongoing process. Mm. There is always a target ahead. We may not even need to reach it, um, but we enjoy uh, to stop and reflect and to have the understanding of the fact that there might be something deeper than all this that is going around, especially what's going around sometimes on the internet, you know, Mm. (laughs) all this irrelevance (laughs) that we need to um, resist. Do you see Mm. what I mean, Ronald? Yeah, yeah. I think it it goes beyond beyond psychology. It's something mm. that is uh, it it's not uh, something that explains because of our psychology what we are doing. It's beyond psychology. It's mm. like if uh, it was uh, pre-given. And uh, mm. I have this idea for a few weeks now. And the more I think about it, mm. and more. I don't lives uh, I believe that many people should ask themselves I've done all that I justify all I do by by stupid arguments by <laughs> uh, or by psychology or whatever mm. but if I think of it from a distant point of view those justifications are not not sufficient they they explain local ev- uh, uh, local events but they don't explain the the, the trajectory global trajectory mm. and uh, uh, i was always surprised uh, by uh, how diverse we can be we can uh, we, we can do so many different things and uh, but behind the different things we do there's something common behind or inside the different things we do there's something common and i think that's intriguing let, let me uh maybe see if i can dial this down to uh something that's been interesting that i've been thinking about uh recently just because i've been doing my own like midlife back to school thing at the same time as some other obligations helping with my father for example and um a a question or maybe one of these recurring questions for humanity is like what is the human condition some look at the human condition as um uh i don't know if that's exact necessarily the right word but people look at humans uh inherently evil and some look at them inherently good um my position, at least at this point, is that what makes humans special, maybe for lack of a better word, is our ability to choose to be good or choose to be evil. However, <laughs> this is how I say it kind of relates to what you guys are are on recently here, is is that, <laughs> I know it gets into this, some, some deep philosophical quandary like uh, determinism and free will and, and those kind of things. So 
Uh, I'm wondering if the two of you, in whichever order you'd like, would like to say uh, if the human condition is a one that we individuals have a level of control over, and if so, what to what degree, and perhaps is that a real level of control or is it only an illusion or delusion? <laughs> Either one of you want to. Uh, take a, a crack at, at this uh, deep philosophical question as we uh, get through some uh, some some tough questions here. Well, I, I feel like posing another question. Uh, sure. Perhaps not directly back to you, but to the <laughs> to everyone who's listening. The discussion, and also sure. To myself as well. Sure. That how can we know if we are mm. in control or not? That that's one interesting question mm. that I was just thinking about. When do we know if we do this uh, in a controlled way or in mm. a not controlled way? Way who makes that choice? Who to say? Who takes that decision? Um, but I also think that, like you said, there is a there is probably a willpower within most of us. I feel like saying without knowing everyone <laughs> on Earth, yeah. and of course there is the there is a positive way. Of thinking with inside of me as well, but this willpower of doing good. Mm. I mean, this is often what we say to to children. You know, we they do something which we call bad. Mm -hmm. We try to help them to understand that that was mean, that was a bad behavior, and already there we have we have set up some frameworks of what's good and bad, and then you know we teach the children to do more good and to do less bad. Mm. But I also think that. The doing good or the doing bad, um, if we move that towards um, a collective understanding of mm. what is good, I think it requires time. So I wish to to throw in the word mm. time into yeah. this conversation, because what I have seen, and I might be wrong, I have not seen every person, I have not seen the whole world, <laughs> but mm. through my eyes and my understanding, um, Things are, are moving, moving so fast now mm. and people are getting uh, more or less addicted, some of them, um, to uh, instant you know, gratification and instant uh, you know, content from social media, etc. And I'm wondering what's happening mm. within their mind setting when they do not may have the time needed to reflect deeply and to mm. go mm. Um, uh, less superficial into mm. um their own thinking so to say mm. so to say because i believe that uh developing a mindset towards taking decisions to do good it requires mm. firstly to understand what is good and what mm. is bad and that mm. takes time right. uh, and it also then requires to think a few th few seconds before you react before you say something mean before right. you respond before you write something on social media yeah. for instance um it also requires time, mm -hmm. uh, and time is exactly what so many people do not have uh, mm. in these days. Yeah, there are obviously things that you cannot know uh, by spending uh, five seconds or ten seconds or one minute on them and then passing to something else. Uh, there are a lot of things that take a lot of time. Uh, I mean, months and years, and uh, normally when you have... A, 
uh, in mathematics, if you have a good idea, the good idea comes in in a fraction of a second, but then to structure it and to prove it and to make it uh, understandable by other people, it can take years. It can take you all your life. So you need to really concentrate on the same idea, sometimes for days without eating, without doing anything else, but focusing on your idea. And it's only by this, it's a sort of deep uh, movement inside you and suddenly after a long time something appears but it takes a long time so i'm i'm very afraid by uh what i seen i read the other day in a swiss newspaper that the attention span had had lowered by 50 percent in the last 20 years uh, i think it was 14 seconds and now it's down to seven seconds or something like that and I think that's we must work on that subject. Um, yes. And I'm, uh, whatever you do, Christina, I'm I'm glad to su- support you. Um, um, now to come back to uh, Isaac's question mm-hmm. uh, on good and bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Complex stuff. You know that I believe that reality is something that is generated by our brain. Mm. Uh, is uh, what is out there? Um, we can't know it. We can't at all, at all know it. It's not solipsism. It's mm. simply, simply, uh, we have no way to collect from out there other things than data. Yeah. Collect data, but the points uh, collect, connecting these data, that mm. means the theory, the, it's generated by our brain. Um, mm. That's because of how our brain works. Yeah. Uh, we, we can, any representation, that means any image we have from something who comes from outside, uh, it's always connected to some feeling. Uh, you can't yeah. discuss something from a feeling. When you see a color red, I see the the same thing outside as you, but my feeling is different, and I appreciate it in, in a different way. Uh, some people will f- find this uh, curry very hot, and I'll find it not yeah. hot at all. It's the right. same. Curry. So f- feelings are, are everywhere. And... Uh, Imagine that we have language only for the last 20,000 years, roughly. Before that, there was no language. I don't know if it's 25,000, 15,000, but it's around 2,000 years that we have a structured language. Before, there were probably sounds and words, but not common to everybody and not structured in in sentences. Mm. Uh, Before that... uh, the, everything was expressed at the first person. There was no third person. What language creates, language is the first stage of digitalization. Mm. Uh, it's because we have a common word about this glass, mm. that we call it a glass, and we think we see the same thing. We don't mm. know if we see the same thing. There's right. no way to know. 
I can measure this and say the diameter is five centimeters. Mm-hmm. We will all agree on the five centimeters, and believe you are seeing the same glass. But it it cannot be the it cannot be the case because we all associate feelings to it, and our feelings are depend on our history, on mm-hmm. on so many things that. Uh, we can't say that we see exactly the same thing. I'm not speaking about optical or auditory illusion. Uh, illusion, we can spot them out on uh, <clears throat> by, by creating a consensus. Yeah. And, but there are things that we cannot spot out because uh, because every one of us is a human being. We have the same brain. We have the same physiology, so it's common. If I eat something with a lot of salt, or if I eat an ACL, uh, I'll find it salty. But there's nothing salty in the in the, the sodium or the chlor that composes this 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 molecule. I make it salty, and if I have yeah. another type of brain. Uh, and probably every human being would say it's salty. But if I was a an, an alien with another type of brain, I wouldn't call that salty and it wouldn't mm. be salty. So yeah. 20,000 years ago, we, ha- we have established a common language and, and we gave existence to think independently of us. This glass exists independently of me mm-hmm. and it continues to exist if I'm not looking at it. Mm-hmm. But um, that's what I believe. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> it's a big problem of quantum physics. Mm. Uh, what happens between two measurements? Nobody knows. Right. An open question. Uh, we know what happens, what is there when I measure, but I don't, I cannot know. What is there when when I don't measure? So um, I'm not saying that the sh- I'm saying that the glass does not exist as glass. There's something there. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my discussion group, we finally called it potential information. Mm-hmm. There's something that when photons hit that uh, were reflected by the glass hit my retina etc it triggers something so it's potential information mm. it's not a glass before i i'm I attach the concept of glass to it mm. and it's not even separated um right. we, we fragment reality we fragment reality according to our categories. Things are not separate, uh, but that's how we we consider the world. Mm. Uh, when we want to know what is this, we ask ourselves, what is it made of? Mm. We decompose it. Mm, yeah. We fragment it. And things out there cannot be fragmented. Uh, mm. Fragmenting works well enough for closed mm. systems. Yeah. I mean, they're more dynamically closed. But right. for open system, it doesn't work. Right. Uh, so to come back to this, we we decide collectively what is good and bad. Yeah. But, uh, but we can't decide what we want to. 
course, if we decide mm. that killing other people is good, uh, we wouldn't be there very long to to continue discussing. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> so we are we are limited by uh, things out there mm. on what we can decide is good or bad, but but we decide. Mm. Um, I don't know if. Uh, Isaac, you've read the little book of uh, Henri Poincaré, uh, uh, 1902. And he shows very in detail uh, what he calls conventionalism. Everything we decide as being true is a convention between human beings. We agree together yeah. to consider it's true. And uh, speaking for science, um, yeah. it's a common decision. Mm. And it's relatively easy to accept for physics or for, for biology. It's more difficult to accept for mathematics. But even for mathematics, it's true. Uh, Pythagore's theorem is not a platonic universal truth. It's mm -hmm. the result of human beings accepting commonly that this is true. So uh, good and bad, uh, true mm -hmm. and not true, it depends on the structure of our of our own brain and we have we have to create a society where what we choose to be good is profitable to to most of the people and to the planet and to, to our future generations but we have to do it it's not uh, it's not a given a given truth what is good or bad we have to decide it it's our responsibility so maybe on this i can um drill a little bit into a point that mm -hmm. i think we only talked about briefly maybe on facebook i don't think we recorded um this idea which is some of what you're talking about is uh pragmatic truth um, but I'm wondering if you can at least for a little bit tell us about how pragmatic truth uh, might relate to the development of being better people. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? Uh, can, can you enlighten us on that at least for a bit? I don't know if I can say much. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps in a few years, but I okay. don't know if I much but uh, uh i think the 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 the, the basic morals or mm. been written mm. by human beings for years and years is uh, mm. uh, uh, uh it's already what is in mm. in most religions and uh, uh there's, there's not much to add mm. to this but uh, but this to add concerning mm. uh, the the problem of focusing. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, yes. Focusing is not something natural. Right. Uh, um, we didn't need to focus uh, 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 five hundred thousand years ago when we were in the savanna. We didn't need to focus. In fact, focusing was a disadvantage because mm. if we are concentrated on one. Thing, we wouldn't see the predator, the predators coming on the other side. So mm -hmm. uh, the the idea at that time was to focus, to be as short and, and as quick as possible, not to focus on one thing. So focusing came uh, after language. Mm -hmm. 
the idea of focusing came after language. And uh, but it's not natural. So now that we are getting more and more distractions, I think focusing is something that should be taught at school. And uh, I don't think it's only for efficiency or 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 for business. I think it's for for our personal accomplishment for for us us to be better people to be able to live not only our small limited life but to be able through reading and through literature and art and all sorts of human activity to 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 really consider uh, something that goes beyond our our small moment uh, small attention so uh, that's why I, I, I said to Christina that I was very, very supportive of what she's she's doing. Yeah, and it's it's interesting how I think I think I may mention that already in the beginning of this of this conversation um, that I, I've seen I've seen if I look upon the different parts in the world, you could say simply the Western part and the Asian part, Eastern part. Uh, different parts in the world, different cultures, different uh, religions, and to connect back to what Roland just spoke about, um, that probably creates different perceptions as well, because it's based upon different uh, experiences in a way. Um, but even though they are different, uh, they have come into, from my understanding, into um, a similar way of of expressing what focus is and mm -hmm. people initially may think it is only about um, efficiency and productivity and this is why i want to bring in the deeper perspective and also to combine uh, and this is inter interesting i'll ask about the the connection to the mathematic point of view here as well but to combine the short-term focus with the long-term focus because if you know what it is to be very sharply focused like we said on one thing consciously uh, it's not automatic attention it's actually um, controlled attention you choose what to focus on with your own power uh, if you know what that is like because it is something that you can sense within yourself if you know what that is well then you will also know what to search for and the more often you can be in those moments or put yourself into those moments uh, with a clear decision and understanding of why you do it, <laughs> you can probably more easily also move in the, so to say, right direction in the long term. So short-term focus and long-term focus, I believe, goes hand in hand. Or we could say perhaps that short-term focus is a prerequisite for long-term focus. And so I'm also thinking when all these people are asking me and wondering, it could be quite uh, emotional sometimes where young minds are reaching out to me and they say, hey, hey, dear madam, please help me. I've lost focus. And then they probably don't mean that they lost focus specifically for their exam or for their work. They lost focus in the terms of who am I in this world? What, what am I supposed to do? Uh, so it goes deeper. But it may start with a short exam, the ability to be focused 
on one thing and to do that really, really well and use your cognitive potential really, really well. Uh, but if people never get a chance to do that, I see a difficulty for, for people to be focused in a, in a deeper way. And I think that affects society uh, in quite many angles. And this also shows probably that we could ask the question, I'm also thinking now of, of someone back in history. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure I was born. I think I was. Um, no, I was not born. 1969, there was a Swedish uh, uh, economist and um, uh, politician and, and author. Uh, he wrote a book called, his name was Staffan Burestam Linder. Mm. Uh, he wrote a book called the restless man mm. and so i'm wondering if we were restless in 1969 mm. what are we so now <laughs> mm. i have two questions in this uh which are connected to mathematics mm. i think we have already maybe spoken around one of them but it's um we're speaking about to optimize the the brain uh in, in a way and if we say that that focus may have been in her inherited some some part of the short-term automatic focus but for for the deeper and more long-term focus it, it's new and it requires a high level of our way of thinking um if we optimize the, the brain so to say or try to do that in that sense mm. we also need to know what do we optimize it for mm. and i've been thinking a lot about this when it comes to um you know machine learning and and interaction between humans and machines, et cetera, and, and all these devices that want to optimize the brain and optimize concentration. But no one really <laughs> is asking the question, for what? Because that's where the true focus is. Hmm. Hmm. What are we optimizing our mental frameworks for? Uh, yeah, Ronald, that's a, I'll just say briefly, that question or, or one like it, uh, because I talked to uh, Hazel last night, who meant to join us. And like I said, probably we'll do that with her in the next few weeks. But uh, it was similar to the type of question that, that she was interested in. So like, what strikes me is optimizing it by adding external devices, by adding machinery, or optimizing by being more yourself and discovering yourself in a deeper way. It's two two different things. I think today people, when they speak about optimizing, is uh, it's always related to something, uh, computers or something like that. But we must not forget that, first of all, we are biological entities. And biological entities are very different from machines. Very different. And I'd like just to make one point uh, precise. Whatever a human being can build is a machine. A tool, more complex or less complex, who goes from a, a simple spoon to a, a Macintosh computer or whatever, but it's a tool, it's a machine, it's not organic. It, if it's a machine, what it means that it has gone through a digital stage. To build it, we had to use words, we had to design plans, apply rules, produce a blueprint. And once we had this blueprint, we gave it to the factory, who's a sort of printing machine, and they issued 
repetitively this uh, this computer, uh, hundred thousand a million copies. It's no problem, and each copy is the same as the other one. But it went for a digital phase. If uh, nature produces something, there's no two trees who are exactly the same. Um, it's organic, and the difference between a mechanism and an organism is a very deep difference. There's no way with the to be able to mechanically produce an organism. It can only be produced organically. So, um, <laughs> developing the brain by by mechanical tools uh, will develop one side of the brain, the, the digital side, the verbal side, the words. But what's deep inside, our biological uh, millions of years who are behind us, Will are not affected by this. We will not become a better human being or wiser or 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 have a better philosophy of life or a better relationship with our husband or with our wife or with our children because we have a tool to do that. A tool will make us compute fast, faster, win our win a war, but it can't do anything for who we are deeply. And we we must not forget that we, what we are deeply has nothing to do with with uh, with the machine. We work completely different. We are in 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 nature. There's nothing who is digital. Mm-hmm. Everything is purely analog. Um, we falsely believe by uh, because we are so embedded in this culture of uh, mechanistic culture. Uh, we believe that if uh, a planet turns around the sun, it's because of Newton laws. It's a stupid belief. Newton laws is just our representation. The, yeah. the planet doesn't know the Newton laws and doesn't care yeah. uh, about Newton laws. It turns for reasons that we don't know, yeah. that we cannot fragment. It, they are yeah. embedded in the whole universe. We can't fragment it. It's something who is beyond any law. Mm. And we we believe that our description of reality is reality, but it's not true. It's purely a description. And being a verbal description, it's digitalized. It's mm. not what things are. Whatever I say something is, it's, it's a simple, uh, a map is not the territory. It's yeah. two different things. And if, if I mix up both, then I'm completely confused. And I think that's happening very much today. To express what is deeply human, um, uh, love, uh, intelligence, uh, you need an organic entity. You need a mental space. Uh, hoping to create that with a machine is completely, completely idiotic. It's a complete <laughs> lack of color. Um, uh, read Dostoevsky, read uh, who, whoever you want to read, and you immediately realize that human beings cannot be predicted. Yeah. A machine is a reversible entity. You can build it, debuild it, rebuild it. It's reversible because in the thermodynamic sense, um, it's not uh, uh, no, an organism is not reversible. Mm. If 
it exchanges with the outside permanently. Mm-hmm. If you cut this exchange with the outside, you stop breathing or you stop eating, you will disappear and transform yourself immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul Davis had a good al- analogy. He mm-hmm. said, uh, there's a difference between a dead bird mm-hmm. and a bird alive. Mm-hmm. You, if you throw, you, you take in your hand and you throw the dead bird, you can predict its its uh, trajectory. <laughs> if yeah. you throw the living bird, you cannot predict its trajectory. That's, that's, and that, that's a very good analogy. The, the, the matter who composes the bird is not the same thing as the bird itself. Because the bird is alive. Something mm-hmm. else happened in that. I, I connect this to... Um you know, different challenges that, that the humans um, today, but also in the future, mm. uh, humanity are, are facing. Uh, some, of, some of them are very clear, you know, um, how, how we have exploited um, our nature and uh, telos, <laughs> natural resources. That's the word I'm searching for, how we have exploited that. But we are also in a phase, and that will probably increase, uh, where we are, um, in a way, uh, through all these devices and through our wish to optimize things, <laughs> uh, and through our cognitive ability to create, as we say, machines and tools, we are probably facing a challenge which could be called as we are um, also exploiting our brains, in a way. Um, and I feel like asking the questions, how can we meet those future challenges if we do not also protect and reveal cognitive and emotional potential? And by adding that, not only cognitive potential, but also emotional potential, uh, we directly tell ourselves that there is something that could be more deeper than emotional it could be spiritual it could be um other words added to that as well but to protect and reveal those potentials i hope that can be something which um will be given a bigger space in the collective uh, conversations in media and everywhere but i don't think it's so easy because we are stuck in the attention in the attention industry (laughs) and sometimes i say hey you know Wherever you are, wherever you go, someone or something wants your attention all the time. And that's sad because if you jump upon that game, you will don't you will never really get or learn the ability, which can, is connected to focus, I believe, the ability to resist impulses, to say no, and to give yourself this, as we said before, this mental uh, space or cognitive or emotional space where we are creative, where we think outside the box, as we say, uh, where we dare to reflect further uh, beyond what can be done by machines. And I think this is one of the reasons why I feel I need to build a global <laughs> global institution on, on reclaiming focus uh, on a global scale where this can be brought in. But connected to this, I come back to this uh, discussion of good and bad. I don't know if it's connected, but never mind. We can just decide that we we think so. (laughs) And it could be uh, from a mathematical perspective, also interesting to hear 
from from a military perspective, we often talk about balance. Um, mm. And if people are in balance, people are quite good. You know, you, you need balance of, of of sleep and activity as a as a person, but also um, on the co- collective arena and amongst people. If there's balance, uh, there are less um, difficulties. Um, so if balance has got to do with with good and bad and if balance can help people to move towards good mm. um how how does mathematics mm. um fit into that um balance mm. as it might be or is it measurable mm. <laughs> that's a tough question yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, there, there are all sorts of mathemati- mathematicians. There are completely crazy ones, completely unbalanced <laughs> ones. Um, some of them end up in uh, in uh, the, the how do you call it uh, 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 asylum for crazy people, or <laughs> the asylum, of course, and, and and very big ones. I mean. Uh, uh, even uh, even Kurt Gödel's yeah. had many stays in the in the in the clinic for his mental health, right. uh, and Cantor died in uh, uh, you know Kant Cantor. Uh, it's the guy who who defined infinity and who wow. who gave us a, a much better understanding of what infinity is, and mm. he he was facing a problem and he was so obsessed by this problem the problem uh, is simple it's uh, uh, is there an infinity between the one of natural numbers and in real numbers and uh, that obsessed him that so much that he ended up in uh, <laughs> in asylum and he he died there and he was one of the greatest so uh I can't say those people were especially balanced. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. Man- so, manage chaos, perhaps. <laughs> so, uh, but there are also some mathematicians who are. Who, but perhaps to be a really great mathematician, you have to have some kind of imbalance. Uh, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's completely crazy to devote your life to mm. to something who that you know in advance will uh, will be understood by very few people, will interest mm-hmm. nobody. And <laughs> but it's a it's a it's a good uh, it's a good question. Mathematics is is different and special. It's not science mm. uh, because. Uh, it's purely mental mm. science you always have you, you always have to do an experiment to sort of verify it before a hypothesis becomes uh, becomes recognized it has yeah. always at least to make some prediction mm. uh, this prediction has can be verified then we would accept it until it becomes wrong again because uh, we found a a special case, so it evolves continuously. But uh, mm. uh, uh, in mathematics, you don't care about that. The only thing that matters is that it must be l- logical according to the 
the the axiom, the hypothesis you started with. Um, so it's it's a purely mental game. There's nothing nothing uh, uh, that relates it to what is outside mm-hmm. uh, to nature. So so it's it's very interesting, and uh, most mathematicians are. Are Platonists. They believe mathematics exists in a in a in a sort of ideal world. I was Platonist most of my life, but now I believe uh, <laughs> mathematics is simply a creation of the mental of the mental space, and uh, it's our creation. And probably a- aliens would have <laughs> most yeah. different mathematics, but we could yeah, agree. Yeah. We could agree together on. And would have different mathematics because they would have different interests. For right. instance, um, I don't know if you heard of the Jordan theorem. Um, Jordan no. theorem is incredibly simple. Hmm. It says if on the on the plane, if you have a, a closed curve, you have two. A closed curve gives you two regions: one inside and one outside. And you can't pass one from one region to the other without crossing the line, mm-hmm. crossing the curve. It's so simple and intuitively obvious for us. Mm-hmm. But to prove it, it's incredibly difficult. Yeah. Incredibly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So why is it so easy to have the intuition that it's true for us? Would it be so easy also for uh, another type of mental space than ours? Uh, probably not. Uh, so the mathematics that we do are related to what we found intuitive and and normal and easy. It's it's if we had another brain, we would do other mathematics. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe today. Mm-hmm. But uh, coming back to the Jordan theorem, mm-hmm. uh, there's something crazy in spending uh, your whole life trying to prove Jordan theorem and not managing to do it. And <laughs> I can tell you, I know I have some friends who have spent their whole life on on Riemann hypothesis and have produced nothing. Wow. But they spend their life on that. Wow. Uh, so uh, I, I think, in some sense, you must be you must be obsessed, and obsessed mm-hmm. is is imbalanced. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At least it it keeps you um, on one red on one line, so to say, which may help mm. um, which Pretty may history. help distracted yeah. minds. Uh, yes. To, yes. To at least do something which is better than than two crazy things which are not yeah. good for other persons. You don't do any harm, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. You are not doing harm. And uh, the idea of truth is there in mathematics. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Two yeah. things. Out there, yeah. finding true things out there is much more difficult. You have really to, to develop mm. a lot of wisdom and uh, listen mm. to your heart and... Uh, mm. I, I often wondered if uh, if that was not the main reason I chose to do mathematics. I wanted something who was 
uh, who was really true. Yeah. Like I was saying a little bit ago, Eric Weinstein is a bit concerned that too much of the mathematical minds, at least, uh, the quantum theorists are focused too much on string theory, and that doesn't really do anything practically, at least in his mind, or at least not enough. And so the question, maybe I'll start with Christina, is like, how do you think we can focus our attention, not just individually, but also collectively? Again, uh, apologize if it's a bit cliche, but for something like the greater good. I wish I had a, <laughs> a very clear response. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think if there was a clear response, I think uh, the world would have looked differently. Um, so that means that it's complex. Uh, it means that uh, it's easy now to think that the problems that we see around us right now um, are the ones that are um, developing the further problems and stopping us from, from being able to develop. Uh, as humans towards the greater good. But I think we must not forget that uh, there is a, a long history um, that has developed people's minds, and not only people's minds, but co you know, collective minds. Uh, military forces has been um, needed um, from many, many perspectives. Uh, to create balance, like we said before. Um, we wish that this was not perhaps necessary, but it has been necessary uh, from, from the perspectives that we can look upon it. Um, and I think that um, those so deeply fundamental um, developed uh, uh, I don't know if I should call them resources or understandings or in institutions has of course affected our minds as well, not only to the good, uh, but again, I think, I think there has been a willpower of doing good. I think countries, uh, in their, in their deeper values, if we can find them within, within the space of a country, uh, also want to do good. Everyone wants to do good in a way. Most of us, um, but there's a lot back in history that now pops up and always will pops up. And I think the important thing and one thing that we may can do, uh, besides the fact that we need to understand that there is a lot of things which are so complex that we don't have a simple response to it. Because if we try to treat those issues with simple responses or simple solutions, we will fail. Um, but one thing we probably can do is to um, help ourselves to stop having those um, uh, problems in increasing. Uh, and I think what goes on on internet uh, in you know different echo chambers uh, should in some way or another uh, be more stopped. Uh, the development of um, um, there is a fragmentation around uh, seen a lot on internet, uh, a lot of the fake news, <clears throat> a lot of, like I said before, these echo chambers where bad things can be developed. And um, 
and depolarization is increasing as well. And so one can ask the question, why is this happening? We can understand it from, from uh, a technical point of view, uh, from an internet, internet point of view, so to say. But I think also if we come back to, to find some kind of um, understanding through, uh, you said, uh, how do we pay attention towards the, uh, the, the greater good? I think if I combine what I just said now to the lack of attention that I see out in the world, the lack of focus, and I go deeper again, um, I reflect, about, reflect upon this, that when, when people are asking me for help, for, for wanting to be more focused, and like I said before, they are afraid sometimes of losing themselves, or they are afraid of being mediocre, uh, what they need and what they want is attention from others. Every person needs to be seen, to be heard, to be respected. Uh, to be understood, um, to not feel completely lonely. People need to be seen, to be heard. And so we have all these opportunities out on the internet, on the different social media um, that's help, in brackets, people uh, to seek for attention. And I think people seek for attention for attention on the internet desperately. And when they do that, they jump very easily upon things that are not developing, developing them in the right way, or they are fed with a large amount of um, irrelevance. Hmm. And, um, you know, if we look upon the memory in the brain, the different kinds of memories, you know, but if we put it like this, that it's only, you know, there is this expression, I don't know who have said it, maybe it was me, probably not. <laughs> probably I just remember what someone else has said. But mm. what we feed our presence becomes our, our past. And it's only from our past that we can create perceptions of the future. Mm. And people need to be able to create perceptions of the future where they put themselves in the future uh, and when they see something good. Um, people need hope and if they are only seeking for attention uh, and what they get is a large amount of fake news and irrelevance and bad yeah. things um, mm. we stop helping people to get hope and I think that is something uh, we could do more about uh, without touching the, the history of why things are looking the way they are yeah, let me Again, try to briefly pose this question to Dr. Ronald Sikorel, our returning guest here. <laughs> I, I feel like this uh, kind of ties again to my question that I posed uh, in passing earlier about um, pragmatic truth. You know, we may not know the ultimate truth of what's ultimately good or ultimately the greater good, but we we may have some consensus like, um, you know, we're just kind of coming out of a pandemic here. and. Uh, it was kind of an educational process, you might say, for humanity to say, like, okay, what was the best way to go through that and the less than ideal way to go through that, I know, is is still being discussed a lot uh, in, in a lot of circles and discussion groups. And without complicating it too much, I know language has a lot to do with it, and, and that can be dealing with language barriers, and it can also do with the ability to have civil discourse, which isn't always as easy as it might sound. So the question 
is, yeah, how do we focus our attention a bit uh, on the individual level and on the uh, societal level to have the better result? Perhaps pragmatically, you can <laughs> at least try to uh, get at this difficult question. It is, uh, with no doubt, a very, a very difficult question. Mm-hmm. I don't think we are making, uh, we, we've made a lot of progress since the old times, since the Greeks and and the Romans. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and I think uh, uh, technology, social media has, has amplified the certain traits of our of our brain in a way who's not necessarily positive. Um, uh, Aristotle was trying to find a way to fight contra- against the uh, sophists who were preaching uh, uh, untruths or, or lies uh, only to make money or, or gain power. And that's how he invented logic. He he, he thought that uh, uh, by structuring the language in a way where you where, where it would be obvious when you say something who's not true, you would you, well he failed. Uh, uh, another one who had the same kind of idea was Leibniz. Uh, Leibniz. Uh, uh, who was confronted to all those wars in Europe uh, at that time, um, uh, and uh, had the example of mathematics. Um, he uh, <clears throat> he thought that by building a language uh, uh, on the model of how mathematics and algebra had just reached Europe at that time. Um, uh, the way algebra was done, uh, we we could uh, we could uh, uh, simply, when a disagreement was there, sit around the table and sort of compute or calculate what was good and what was bad. And um, obviously, he failed. He failed without completely failing because uh, he invented the binary system and he built the first computer. Yeah. <laughs> who's still uh, in uh, exhibition. I don't know if it's in Munich or Frankfurt, but uh, Leibniz's computer was there, and it was a computer capable to do the four mathematical operations, and uh, it was quite an advanced uh, machinery for that time. But he failed in his main goal. He wanted a sort of, how do you say in English, an Arian Fred who guides, who could guide you when you speak towards truth. And understanding, um, and he couldn't do that. And uh, wow! Uh, uh, but that was his dream since he was it, young. It was like uh, the fr- theoretically, at least, the first Chat GPT <laughs> in a way. But I don't yeah. know. That's getting too deep for for this part of the no, conversation. No, 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 no. Your, your remark is very interesting, Isaac. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, just to stay on this chat GPT thing. Sure. Um, uh, I don't know if uh, you read uh, Borges, uh, the, uh, li- uh, the Library of Babel. 
Mm, I don't. I think that's on my list, but I haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, tell us about it. <clears throat> it's a it's a small novel, uh, and I'm oh, going to summarize it quickly uh, sure. for you. Um, sure. It's a library. It's a huge library. In this mm. library, there are books of 600 pages mm-hmm. with, uh, let's say, 300 characters per page. Mm. And there are all the possible books written by combination of letters who fit in the, the, in this format. Mm. Okay. So it's a huge, huge library, but a finite library. Yeah. And... Uh, um, uh, that that's the idea of the 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 Bab- library of Babel, mm-hmm. and uh, so in this library you have all the works of Shakespeare. Obviously, mm-hmm. they are there. Right. You have uh, the, the book I wrote uh, last year. It's obviously in there, and they are all. Oh yeah, and there are so, all the books you will write. Uh, uh, you will write in the next ten years, uh, Isaac. Sure. Uh, there's a Christina's book, of course. All your all your teaching, Christina. Sure. Uh, there's every, everything is in the library. So, mm-hmm. if you want to have some knowledge, we just have to go to the library and select the 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 the, the physics textbooks of year three thousand five hundred. And uh, just read that book, and we have to we know all the future mm-hmm. because it's one of the, the books of the library. And the library uh, is very simple. In fact, uh, it's in your computer mm-hmm. because uh, you simply write the program, the small little pro- one-line program, print all combinations of letter under the following format, and your printer will spit out the whole. Borges Library. So everything is already there. Amazing. The problem, so Borges, uh, he didn't speak about what I'm saying now, but uh, in one way, Borges Library solves everything. Um, But the difficulty is how do you find the right book? Because you have uh, the, the, you have a, um, you have the whole work of Shakespeare written by Christina also. <laughs> yeah, I see. I see. <laughs> and you have, uh, uh, you have King Lear, who's a, who's a romantic hero. <laughs> or, or <laughs> you, you, can, you can have anything in this time. So how yeah. to spot out the, the right book? And mm-hmm. in fact, um, there's a mathematical theorem who says there's no way of doing it. Mm-hmm. You can't in advance know what the right book will be. But and and that's very interesting because let's say you you have the right book, but to be sure, and it's a book written in the year 3500, and it's the right book. Uh for you to be sure that it's the right book, you have to have the knowledge of year 3490. If no, you wouldn't, you couldn't understand the book. Mm-hmm. So, uh, knowledge is something who comes like a ladder. You have to know what, you have to climb step by step. You can't jump. 
You can't mm-hmm. overcome. If uh, if uh, an alien came here and gave us a uh, a book uh, uh, who's, who says everything, we would have the book, we could read it, but we couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. To understand things, you have to go step by step. There's no other way to do it. Um, and that's exactly the problem of chat GPT. Mm-hmm. It can align align a lot of things one after the other, but it cannot tell you if it's true or not true. Right. So to come back to the the, the, the question. question, the 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 uh, how to make sure that we are on a good line. Yeah. Uh, I think that the, the main thing is to start by by oneself. You have to start mm. by yourself. Yeah, you have to, you have to start uh, uh, well it's uh, it's uh, Socrates mm. you have to start asking yourself a lot of questions on who you are, what do you want to be, how do you see yourself? Mm-hmm. How how you like to be treated? Are you treating the way the people around you the way you would like to be treated? And perhaps it would spread out. But I'm not very confident because <laughs> we are not going in this direction for the time being. Mm-hmm. We are going uh, more more people are connected on on social media. More they are distant and mm-hmm. and lonely and. Uh, they are looking for a solution in the wrong direction. Um, like, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm not very optimistic. I'm optimistic on the long term, but it might take a lot of catastrophe bef- before we mm-hmm. we get mm-hmm. to a point where we can avoid wars and uh, um, uh, 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 Normally, uh, when you talk to a human being uh, in, uh, in a good context, uh, you can agree, he can be nice to you, you can be nice to him, and you can help each other, you can create uh, uh, together, you can enjoy enjoy your time together. Um, but at the moment where he represents another group, mm. And you represent another group. You're not free of your your own moment. You right. you you're caught in a, in a network of. Uh, it becomes really complicated. Yeah, the how do you say that? The it's hard to get out of our prejudices, and even if we start to get out of our prejudices, it's intriguingly easy i'm finding especially with things like social media like you mentioned a minute ago to fall into echo chambers that just uh reinforce our prejudices yes there are are many people of goodwill and uh right uh, i i feel it as a as a necessity at least to group those people of goodwill to Mm. to to uh, because what is hurting us is the system we've put in place mm. for one reason or another? The system has has put on the top of the hierarchy stupid and bad politicians <laughs> uh, who, 
who don't have this balance uh, Christina was speaking about, who yeah. don't have this uh, understanding, who have their own goals and their own uh, agendas. And uh, why have we done such a stupidity? Why have we done that? How is it that we haven't been able to create a system where at least the basic needs of everybody are fulfilled? Um, I don't know how we got there or we've always been there i don't know mm-hmm. uh, but because if we don't get out of this uh the stupid competition will remain there so uh, mm. we won't we won't solve the problem without confronting the stupidity of our systems no. That's a great. That's a great uh, line there. We won't solve the problem without confronting the stupidity of our systems. I'm excited because I believe in human beings, and I believe right. that uh, uh, even if we are three three person now around the table, that might be enough to to change a lot of things. If, right. uh, mm-hmm. And even if we know in advance that it's not enough and that we would will not succeed, we have to do it. Well, I will also. I'd like to conclude with similar yeah. thoughts, which sure. is good. Uh, then we yeah. have a, an echo mm. chamber here, but at least mm. uh, <laughs> for the good. <laughs> because I also believe that we can do we can do a lot uh, um, as a as a col- as collective collective powers. I think uh, role models are are important, um, and and to refer to what you said now, Isaac. Uh, People call me, you know, sometimes the the focus icon or the focus goddess or 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 very <laughs> funny and fine expressions like that. And there was a time where I kind of stepped back from that when I said to myself or perhaps also to others that no, 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 I'm, I shouldn't be called that. Or um, who am I to have those words? I am, you know, just an ordinary person. And then. After some reflections, of course, I realized that, you know, everyone is an ordinary person. Everyone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it comes back to this, uh, what can you do as an individual? Uh, and one thing we can do is to uh, um, to strengthen, I believe, our inner core, our inner inner core values and our connections to, like we said, who we are and what we can do. Um and to be humble, but also to create stronger self-esteem, uh, not from um, the superficiality, perhaps out on the internet, but through true conversations um, and through doing good, uh, not in the sense of um, only being better at our work or, or peak performing even more, but also to to act uh, in a way that we wish humans should act. And the more people who do good things, uh, the more people we will also be to be able to resist all those impulses that, that perhaps wants us to, to not do good or that brings us into the wrong echo chambers, so to say. So I want to bring hope. I, I'm also positive. I believe also in the human being a lot. I believe in myself. Uh, I know what I can do. I know I'm already a role model and I will continue to be a role model. Uh, if that is a role model for being focused, that's very good. The more people who can um, learn to respect their own attention and their own focus, 
then the better we can together learn to to resist impulses and stay on target in the sense of of uh, focusing on what's good. So um, I think there are a lot of positive things that are that are able to catch, um, but we cannot do it alone, and um, we need to support ourselves and the other ones uh, around us. So um, I wish us to move from a collective and superficial blur <laughs> to a united uh, focus where depth, creativity, and um, I would say sharpness and long-term mm. thinking has a greater place. Hmm. Mm. I'm going to mention a couple things real quick. One, I don't know if you've read any of the uh, Cal Newport books. This isn't in focus very well. Anyway, we'll talk about this uh, perhaps another time. I'll just say that I've read some books on focus. Some of them I have right here with me. Some of them get moved around between uh, where I'm at and lending to friends, etc. So uh, we'll probably get yeah you've you've got stacks of books too i'm yeah. sure you, and uh, <laughs> i don't have mine here <laughs> yeah and in a future discussion i'm we'll probably get more in depth in in some of these uh issues that you just mentioned and again sort of as a closing dr sickrell's book that i talked about before brain centric how our mental spaces our mental space builds our realities is interesting because it's called volume 1 the mental space, <laughs> yeah, uh, sort of implying like uh, something we talked about a little bit last time when I had a different wall behind me with a Dune poster that, you know, that was Dune part one. Dune part two is coming out later this year. Uh, similarly, can you tell us anything, Dr. Sikorel, about your other books, in particular, the one that you're still in the making, which will probably be Brain Centric Volume 2? And anything else mm -hmm. that you're working on, your discussion group or any, anything else? And there was one brain centric at the beginning. One, oh yeah, I even have it here. Oh one really? Second. Exciting! It is. Wow, know. there it is. <laughs> the double and brain centric. Uh, it's seven hundred pages. So yeah. <laughs> I decided that uh, uh, I would cut it in two parts. Right, this one's a little <laughs> over 300 pages, volume one. Yeah, uh, because uh, uh, what I wanted to do, and in fact, it was the initial idea, was to have a, to have a sort of broad explanation of what brain approach was, and then uh, apply it to our understanding, especially of quantum physics. Because... Um, mm. Uh, there are there are so many in, so-called interpretations of quantum mm. physics. Um, yeah. The equations are the same for everybody, but the interpretation of what our our world is is mm. com be completely different. Um, so I wanted to apply brain centric to quantum physics and right. see uh, how you interpret uh, the basic. Uh, Quantum physics experiment, uh, uh, Wigner or or Wheeler or or even Jung uh, and the mm. double slit. How do you in interpret them uh, via the brain centric approach? Right. Uh, it, 
<clears throat> in fact, uh, physics looks for explanation of something who's outside by something else who's outside. When I mm. say outside, I mean outside of our brain, of our mental space. Yeah. It causes the, and uh, uh, cause can be local, non-local, uh, right. quantum physics, non-locality, but it's always outside of our brain. Knowing that our brain works mainly by expectations, Mm. We know things that we expect to know. Mm. Right, right, right. And knowing that any particle has only an existence for its mathematical mm. definition, it has no observable existence. Nobody mm. has ever seen a photon or an electron. Right. It's unseeable. Right. Uh, Obviously, in common language, they they speak about electrons and and uh, and neutrons and quarks like if there were things who really existed, right. but we don't know. They surely don't exist. It's like the wind; we see the effect, but we don't really see the wind. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the new definition of existence in physics is to say. Something exists if it's useful to suppose it exists. Right, right, right. So, I believe in the wind. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. So, uh, and knowing that our brain works only by expectations, mm. we can only, um, uh, what part of the explanation is from inside our brain mm. and not, so, uh, uh, in in the second part of the book, I had mm. described most uh, uh, elements of quantum physics, like randomness, and obviously randomness cannot exist out there. There's no randomness out there. Mm. Only randomness is built in our, like mm. randomness, like uh, uh, superposition, and most of the uh, quantum physics experiments interpreted in brain-centric terms. Right. But then I noticed that I couldn't put both things in one in one book because yeah. uh, for for somebody who had no idea of or little idea of quantum physics, it would need a, a huge introduction who would right. discourage people who know about quantum right. physics. So I decided to separate it in, into two volumes. And uh, um, uh, the volume sec two is written, but I don't like it as it is. So mm. I haven't yet published it. And I don't know if I will ever publish it. I hope I will, but I'm not sure. I, I hope that at least some people can, can read it, uh, if nothing else. Because it's, it's interesting that... Hmm. Like okay, we met through a uh, another mutual friend in a uh, quantum a, a discussion book on Clubhouse and other social media that uh, is largely on, on this subject of uh, quantum physics theory and so, some other things, but but largely that. And what what I found interesting, a, a lot of okay, a lot of my curiosity uh, actually came from. 
at at about that time I was really getting into the subject that we spoke on even for just a few minutes, <clears throat> I think in another room, uh, which is sometimes called synchronicity. <laughs> another deep question having to do with determinism or indeterminism, <laughs> et cetera. But uh, so I was on my own, my own uh, curiosity was the curiosity of is synchronicity a delusional phenomena or a true phenomena? <laughs> uh, yes. What I never told you uh, yeah. that is when I was young, when mm. I was about 30, 30 years old, mm. I did three, three years of psychoanalysis mm. with the, with the uh, direct student of Carl uh, Gustav Jung. Mm, yeah, yeah. I think you mentioned that just briefly. Yeah when we were in another room but yeah tell me more so i, I think it must have influenced me quite a lot especially right. the uh, the question of synchronicity but uh, right. in conscious collective and archetypes and uh, right. uh so how I think it it impressed me, and uh, but the, the question of the nature of reality, I think uh, even when I was very young, I always thought we were we were told stories. That it's not like that. Uh, our descriptions mm. are not what is out there. Uh, it cannot be, and uh, I was always looking for for a failure in the description of uh, of how things happened. And uh, I think the, the first thing that shocked me is uh, reading, um, I don't know if you know, Alfred Korczybski. Hmm. Uh, just a little bit, but yeah, tell us more. Uh, in 1933, he wrote a book who, whose title was uh, Is Science and Sanity? Oh, right. Uh, an Introduction to Non-Aristotelian Systems. And... Uh, uh, he he studied quite carefully how perception functioned right. and how uh, the path that goes from the object to the brain to the word who denominates the object. Hmm. Um, and uh, uh, he he's famous because of the expression the the map is not the territory. All right. Um, and uh, he's famous also because uh, Kandinsky, uh, no, not Kandinsky, Magritte made a painting uh, entitled "This Is Not a Pipe." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know if you see. You've seen it this. looks like a pipe, it's, but it's a painting of a pipe, supposedly. Whatever you say, it is. It is not. It cannot right. be because mm -hmm. what you say is a word, and the thing is not a word. So it's a symbol. He, Quite, quite uh, intelligent analysis of of this, but it was in 1943. So mm. at that time, we didn't know how perception worked. Mm. We didn't know that perception, perception works only by expectation. There's mm. no way for perception to see reality. Um, uh, and that became a crisis uh, in, in neuroscience uh, right. around 19. 60s because of what what they named the binding problem oh right 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 yeah uh, how, how is it the signals who come from the ears with the eyes and follow different nerve nerve paths and never come simultaneously at the right place you can bind this up in into a an intelligent and uh, 
and useful uh, image. And they had no, nobody had any explanation for that right. until slowly the idea that uh, the perception was initi- initiated inside the brain right. and went toward outside. And you got confirmation of what you already thought. Right. Or if you didn't have confirmation, you had surprise. Or you suppressed right. what you saw that didn't fit in your picture. Hmm. So knowing this and having studied uh, with Miguel of, for a long time. Miguel Nicolelis. Those questions of perception. Yeah. Uh, I really wondered how we were doing in quantum physics. If mm. <laughs> um, not that not that I questioned the the the, the mm. questions, but I questioned the interpretation. Uh, interpretations are very important because they guide us toward the future. I think what a lot of you're, you're getting at is how people like tennis players, for example, and you know highly achieving tennis players and highly achieving musicians. I don't know as much about. Uh, sharpshooters, whether that's uh, archers or uh, rifle people, uh, but um, they are like Dr. Ronald Sikro was just saying, able to achieve at that high level because that they have sort of um, almost perfected their expectation in a very specific area. The most remarkable is ping pong players. Oh, right, right, yeah. You mentioned that you play. They have to know a long time before the adversary touches the ball where the ball is going to come. Right, it's even faster than tennis. Yeah. To give give a view from the, Mm. the, actually, what we think is the reality. I remember from from the shooting, we we can can think about this, compare compare precision shooting, what I did Mm. to... To ping pong players, mm-hmm. I would say ping pong players win, uh, mm, wow. as Dr. Ronald explains. But I can remember from you know uh, being um, being on the lane, uh, being nervous, having all these you know negative right. thoughts and and right. wonderings and worryings, being afraid actually of of hitting the target, right. and then after a while having this kind of developed capability to what would we call zoom in. Uh, uh, where it's actually more about um, not being disturbed by all distractions and to choose one single thought uh, that exists, uh, almost like not a thought at all, but let's say one single thought. So then there's this mental capability, which is there, uh, a good opportunity for then hit the target in the in the center. But then we have the wind. And, and, you know, there are, I don't know what you call that in, in English, but, you know, small flags out mm. on the rain, uh, on the, on the range so that you right. could see how the wind was blowing. Oh, right. Okay. And this was sometimes extremely difficult. The 10 was only 10.4 millimeters and it's, <laughs> it's 50 wow. meters away. It sometimes, it actually was impossible in a way mm. uh, to hit, the, to even hit the target sometimes, you know, mm. but then you, you find uh, a space where I could definitely know the difference from also, you know, uh, the margins within the 10, the margins within a millimeter from a distance mm. of 50 meters. Wow. And then the wind, uh, it took back to what we spoke about before, how it takes a long time, sometimes a year to develop a, a skill. 
And I didn't even know what to develop. There could be a lot of people, like we spoke about uh, Chad Kidipina saying, telling yeah. me, a coach telling me, you should yeah. do this, you should move this hand, you should have this ammunition, etc. All that information. The best thing I could do was to resist and to not care about all of the information, sure, right. but to just practice and to see. And then after some years, I could foresee that the wind was coming, but the flags were not moving. How mm. could I know? How could wow. I know where yeah. the wind was coming? Because you said before, Isaac, we mm. can't see the wind. And I was thinking, right. no, we can't really, but somehow not we visually, can sense anyway. it in advance. Right. Yes. And that's similar. And it's amazing. Um, right. it's amazing. And I think it gives it gives comfort hmm. to um, to a person because uh, it's a way to to um, it create some kind of calmness, um, mm. stillness. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got to find the stillness to, to to achieve the certain things that very few have. No, I, I find it also very interesting. Uh, yeah. We are in a in a century of uh, imitation and makeup and right. uh, and uh, uh, pretend to be uh, uh, what you are not and. Uh, and Will, this willful is... delusion, we might call it willful delusion. <laughs> Yeah. And I, th I think this is uh, this is when you were speaking. How how can we do the good? Mm. I think this is the wrong track. Mm. Uh, we just have to accept ourselves uh, mm. uh, as we are, and not like if you if you manage to get mm. uh, I don't know to get a job because you pretended you are yeah. because Chat GPT write you a marvelous. Uh, 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 etc. Yeah. Will you be happy in this job? Will you be able to do what you pretended you were? <laughs> yeah. All this is complete cheating. It's uh, right. it's not the right direction, and uh, it leads. It seems stupid, but this leads to wars. This uh, yeah. Leads, yeah. Uh, when it blows up and it reaches uh, oh, yeah. those, it leads to wars. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, there, there would be a lot of things to say on on expectation and yeah. how perception works and how it acts in sports, uh, especially in collective sports, also where oh, yeah, uh, team sports. Miguel, who's Brazilian, uh, mm. uh, is training <laughs> uh, the Palmeiras Football Club. Oh, yeah. um, Soccer, um, as us say it, in the and across the pond, but yeah, yeah. Uh, because they have to coordinate without knowing what the other one will do. Right. So they have to, to, right. to synchronize their brains in a, in wow. a certain way, and uh, synchronization is a is a is a very universal mechanism. And when you when you manage to train uh, synchronization with wow. with a group, you create something very powerful you create a sort mm -hmm. of meta thinking <laughs> well yeah and and in that example they have to willfully create create a uh projected delusion <laughs> which is harder to do on the uh team level it's one thing to do as like maybe a boxer or a ping pong player or a tennis player but on a team level that's uh transcendent like singing, so, singing. yeah mm -hmm. yes group singing yeah mm -hmm. 
true yeah so yeah christina succinctly uh let's just yeah just any any closing thoughts from you and then we'll, we'll wrap here in just a couple minutes <laughs> what i would like to say is of course uh thank you for for these hours yeah thank uh, you. i was uh, spontaneously invited by hazel which is who's yeah. not here uh and um i did, didn't know so much actually about the conversation uh, or about you of course i read about you etc but that that's mm. all i have and again that's nothing compared to the reality and right. i believe also that uh, now we meet only through a screen yeah. i think if we would meet uh, in in the very real world as well uh, we would have this collective enthusiasm right, and right. Uh, a collective willpower of doing good right. and to uh, to uh, to think and to combine these two uh, interesting paths, which are um, or three or four or five different paths: yeah. uh, ph philosophy, mathematics, uh, um, precision shooting, <laughs> um, peak performance, uh, cognitive uh, spaces, focus and concentration, and how all this can uh, move ourselves in in a better uh, direction uh, it right. is motivating me a lot to to speak to you and thank you for for being on air <laughs> yeah definitely so yeah dr sikrell it's been a pleasure again and like i said uh by the way i will uh try to be recording more especially this summer and uh hopefully if things go according to plan i'll visit europe in about a year so maybe we can do something like a, a little get together for some like-minded individuals. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, do you, do you have any uh, closing thoughts and, and then we'll, we'll wrap up and, and hopefully talk in the future. No, I, I'm a thank you for having uh, organized this, uh, this encounter and especially thank, thank you and Hassel for, for letting me meet uh, Christina. It was a big pleasure. I, I would say it's an honor, an honor to be able to speak to you both and to exchange our, our ideas. And uh, so thank you. Thank you to both of you. Yeah, it was, it was again, my pleasure. And I, again, I, I just really appreciate it. And I'll see you two in the future. <laughs> Bringing complex ideas down to earth based on their value night group identity. This is the Daily Archetype.